Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Al Amin, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. If you are new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. We are a live call in talk program airing every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Right here in Chicago, Illinois. And we advise you to keep up with us by liking and following our social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. And remember, these uh, great conversations that you are hearing, you can find them wherever you get your podcast. So if that's on TuneIn or iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud. Once again, you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. And finally, if you would like to take part in the conversation, let us know what you're thinking. Feel free to give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. All right, Radio Islam family. Hope you all are doing well in good spirits. If you're driving, make sure that you are going hands-free. Oh, look, I just I just realized uh, Ox is going live uh, right now. So uh, I should let the Radio Slime family know we've we've got <laughs> we've got a special uh, guest with us uh, in studio this evening. Oxa Tahir, uh, she's an artist, a graphic designer, a entrepreneur. Uh, <laughs> and everything else. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and everything else, and everything else. And of course, as always, uh, assistant producer, my uh, the, the, the right hand, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. Assalamu alaikum. Such a deep. <laughs> Ibrahim, a.k.a. Barry White Baig. Uh, it's just the, the mixing board that's providing that effect. Yeah. I really have such a deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, I'll tell you all this much, uh, so what you know what you're looking at tonight for uh, for our program. So in our second half, I'm just going to jump to the second half. Second half, we're going to be talking with uh, Aisha Virginia Gray Henry, who is actually one of the 500, uh, she made the 2018 500 Most Influential Muslims uh, in the World uh, listing. We're, we're going to be talking with her about um, an Al-Ghazali uh, children's book, right, which is, which might not seem like it, it goes together, but uh, doggone it, she's she's made it work. So uh, we were looking forward to that. But right now, we're going to take a moment, and we're going to talk about a few of the things that are in the news right now. Uh, one of those being Facebook, right? Have you, you've you've heard Facebook is in the I've news. I've heard of Facebook, yeah. That's just a terrible answer, but profound <laughs> yes you heard of facebook i have yeah i have facebook like the billions of others yes. okay so um there was recent as a matter of fact i happened to catch the what is what is it called the, the show with uh whoopi and um joey behar the view the view yes so they were debating this morning they were talking about how uh the trump campaign was a beneficiary of uh, of misdirection 
Oh, wow. Okay, I'll just, just wait right there. Uh, that they were the beneficiary of mis- misdirection. And they were... I, I th- I, actually, I, I like the way you explained it. Why don't you just basically, basically lay it out? I did? When did I yeah, explain you, it? you explained it. Well, you, you said that um, this Cambridge uh, data firm, mm-hmm. right? Either it was someone that was working for them who these little quizzes that pop up on on Facebook where, you know, see what you look like with with a square head or see what you look like, you know, as, as a, your favorite celebrity or whatever it is. Uh, people were taking those things. And when that happened, one of their former employees or, or whoever this guy is, that he bypassed their permissions or whatever and got a hold of their information. Mm-hmm. Right. So data is is everything now. Right. People are they're they're designing products, they're designing pitches, uh, advertising, all based off of what they feel like customers, uh, consumers want. So I honestly haven't um, heard the latest developments that happened today because there was a lot of stuff about it today, but I didn't get a chance to look into it. Yesterday, I announced as part of the news that the Trump campaign uh, gave them like six million dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Ted Cruz's campaign also gave them the same amount, and they were under investigation in the UK, the company, um, for some type of obviously illegal, potentially illegal practices. Mm-hmm. That's as much as I kind of know. But I guess it brings up the bo- the broader question of how our information may or may not be used against us, or may be used to influence us to vote for certain people or have hold certain views, and so on, and how much we expose ourselves online um with kind of the assumption that there's there's some precautions and some protections that are made that will protect our identities and our data mm-hmm. i mean nobody nobody puts this off there on face on facebook with the expectation that people are just going to take advantage of it and you know do whatever they want right um, there's an expectation of privacy and that seems to be fading away yeah and i think especially because we're an older generation uh, we we remember like having a life without Facebook and a, without having to give our permission for these things. But people that grow up in this, like you know, if they've had this their entire life, they're they're not gonna think about that twice. They're not gonna think to read it. It's not gonna be something they care about. I think. So setting that up right now, like setting up that kind of safety and making sure that this is not exploited, for us right now, as you know, we should be pushing towards that. Well, here's here's the other question. Is this failure to meet the expectation of privacy, is this going to be enough for, um, and even as I say this, I also know that everybody's going to say, well, we're going to, we have to look at our protocols, we have to adjust to this, make sure this doesn't happen again. But if it happens once, then somebody will find a way to go around the system, potentially, right, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that threat enough to make people say, I don't, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to be on this um, connected on this on this uh, social media platform. Do you think that's enough? Is, or that's even something anybody's thinking about? Yeah. Is this instance enough? I see. This instance is de- it's like a criminal act. It's somebody went broke the law, and that's how, that's the same as like when people hack into you know credit card databases and get all the information from there. It's criminal. It's not that actual company doing it. It's not, they weren't, their intentions were not to, you know, have your information out there. But with that being said, um, because it is our private information, um, 
I think we should question, like, can, should these companies uh, and people who have our information be held accountable when this does happen because they didn't take, you know, an extra step to make sure it was all encrypted? You know, they didn't they didn't take that extra cautionary step. I don't think so. I don't think this will have any lasting effect because to address your question in a broader way, I think we as Americans have very short memories when it comes to being outraged at something like this. Like if the Snowden revelations weren't enough to really cause a lasting change, I don't think something like this really will. Good point. We'll be angry for a minute, but I I don't think... um, it's going to have any lasting effect, you know, a month from now or a year from now. You know, it's interesting because I think the expectation, even as we say there's an expectation of privacy, which which may look different for older uh, people as opposed to, uh, Oxa, like you said, uh, people who've grown up and this is all that they've known, you know, mm-hmm. from seven years old having an Instagram account, you know, a Snapchat account. Um, but... Do you think there's going to be a a shift where the expectation of privacy is actually going to just disappear? Mm-hmm. Where because like like now if you call in for customer service or something like it used to be you would never give away your social security number, never, mm-hmm. right? But what does everybody ask? They ask you what's the last four of your social, mm-hmm. right? Obviously they have it, right? But um, it's like something that you would have never asked for or, or even thought about giving. So you think the expectation of privacy is something, as time goes on, it's going to uh, go away? I would like to think that we're at a crossroads right now. Um, that's one direction we could possibly go in, and I hope we go in a, a more positive direction where privacy is seen as something uh, more important again. I guess if there's any solution, I mean, this is not a specific solution, but I guess I would go back to our conversation with some guests we had about net neutrality. Um, I think when we sign away our rights, um, basically the companies like Google and any any other major corporation, they basically got us by the tail, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to use this resource, then you have to basically sign away your rights. When you sign into like an Android device, for example, for the first time, you're basically allowing them to have access to your camera, your microphone, and everything in your location. Some of it you can turn it on and off, mm-hmm. um, but you're giving any corporation access to a lot of this stuff about your private life. I think the only way to um, take a turn in a more positive direction, going back to the net neutrality thing, is to treat the inter- internet access and some of these resources as a public utility rather than just an extra thing that, you know, is not really necessary, but you're just kind of doing it for fun, right? Because, for example, imagine someone asking you for your social security number or your email address or whatever, or your access to your camera, if you get a drink a glass of water from the tap, right? Mm-hmm. It's a public utility. You can't do that. It's time to think of the Internet as a public utility, and that is hopefully a way to move in, a dire- in the right direction where we won't be forced to sign away our rights just to use something which is becoming more and more necessary. Right, right. So you're shaking your head, Aksa. Well, to go off of that, um, I wanted to say that because we know that tech companies are trying to make things like purchasing, like, for, for example, Amazon, like you, you buy something, they're trying to make your 
experience as short and sweet as possible. Mm-hmm. So privacy, you know, already we have there's always like a screen with an agreement and you can just scroll past it and hit I agree, which the majority of us do. So when we're already trying when we know that tech companies are trying to move us towards a direction where everything that, you know, everything that we're doing on our phones is quick, easy as easy as easy as for us as possible, um I think that our privacy and like making sure that we know our rights i think that'll take you know i don't i don't think that'll be that important moving forward tech companies are not going to give that um you know that that much importance especially because right now whenever there's something like whenever uber makes a mistake it's it's all about okay sorry we did that we're moving forward. We apologize. We're going to learn from our mistakes. With that kind of attitude in Silicon Valley, I don't think that we're only going to learn to move in the direction that Ibrahim was talking about once we have enough outrage. And that's only going to happen, in my opinion, after enough tech companies say, we're sorry we did that moving forward. We're not going to do that. And then eventually people are going to be like, listen, no, you can't do this anymore. And we need to make sure that our privacy is of utmost importance. Well, you know what? It's interesting. I'm taking a little a little detour. It's interesting you bring up um, Uber uh, because I think, as a matter of fact, I think you reported on this uh, yesterday, day before, that Uber had to be yesterday. Today is Tuesday. Um, that one of their self-driving vehicles struck and killed a pedestrian mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Yeah, and was it San Francisco? I believe so. no. no, Phoenix. Ar- Arizona. Sorry, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Tem- my Tempe, bad. Arizona. Um, and okay, so, all right, we got it. Arizona, where? Yeah, Tempe. Tempe. Okay, mm-hmm. so they, uh, but they've shut down that 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 pilot program. Um, I think if the loss is great enough, and that's not to say that it won't be reinstated at some point, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I don't think that that was the only space that they were doing it in. Um, but I bring them up just to say that I think companies can be responsive. Um, and I think that is a part of the new spirit of a lot of companies of trying to be socially uh, responsible uh, and to, to, to have some type of a, an ethical uh, base to you know how they're, um, how they're conducting their business. I'm not sure if I feel if, if I believe that if I believe that people are actually the victim, as much as they are, as they have, if we have sort of brought this on uh, in, into being ourselves, uh, the idea of wanting everything instantaneously, right? Because I mean, I remember dial-up, right? So mm-hmm. anybody who remembers dial-up, you know, you, you sit there wait for a page to load. Uh, you know, you might have time to go get a glass of water, come back. You know, depending on your connection was. Yeah. But now with things being uh, so so at, at your fingertips, you know, immediately, immediate, immediate. I think as a, as a society, we have to examine: Are we willing to take a step back, right? Um, to not have everything handed to us immediately, in order to protect um, our, ourselves. And I guess that it goes along. Well, maybe that, that runs parallel to what you were saying, Ibrahim, as far as uh, this being like a public a public utility. But I also feel along with it, it's a reflection of society in general I'll go back to 
our uh, short attention span when it comes to being outraged and the lack of our, as Americans, translating that into not only into action, but just forgetting about it when the new TV show or whatever comes along. Yeah. Um, I think this is not so much even a, a Western phenomenon as it is specifically American, um, which I don't know how to solve that problem. That's a whole other discussion in and of itself. But until we can prolong our anger and and kind of transform it into action... Um, the corporations, the bottom line, they want to make money. If people are saying we're not going to give you money unless you give us back some of our privacy and so on, if you look at the food industry and, and whatever, um, they're going to listen to the... If people are really, really demanding this, they have no choice but to listen if they if they want our money. But the problem is we don't really take it that far. We just kind of make a commotion and then forget about it. Mm. In defense of millennials and our inactive state (laughs) Uh, i will say like i I don't i don't know if um so i think that we are capable of doing a lot for example when snapchat came out with its latest update Mm -hmm. i mean lost they they lost i don't even know how many millions of users really one because of the update and people really upset because they didn't like it and snapchat wouldn't go back to how it was or however you know Whatever, however you remember that happening, and then two also, I think they came. They uh, there was an ad. Um, it was like an offensive ad to Rihanna on domestic violence, and she spoke out against it. And people were really upset that that ever got you know put up on Snapchat. And again, they lost a lot, a lot of you know users. So people are, people are, people act when they care enough about something. So I think that if pe- privacy, if this was something people cared about more, um, yeah, I, I think that we can definitely change, like, the course of our direction. Because there's been no actual, uh, there's there's no real evidence of, of harm, as opposed to when somebody steals your, um, when they steal your identity, mm-hmm. then you know you just got got. Yeah, then right you there. feel it. Right. But right now, when your information is just collected and it's stored in like, and you're just data, and it's being used to, you know, give you certain ads and whatever, it doesn't feel like it's harmful mm-hmm. because we don't understand entirely like how far we, they can go with it. Mm-hmm. I guess. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the the perspective, Radio Islam family. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Aisha Virginia Gray Henry. And we're going to learn some things about children's books with Al-Ghazali. Dad needed help getting around. I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org slash caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. 
Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Hey, Mom, why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Al Amin. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. I wonder if I actually need to say www, if I can just say wcev1450.com. Uh, I doubt anybody's going to actually go to lql.w. So, you know what? I think I'm not going. I'm going to drop those three W's because uh, it's taxing. But Radio Islam family, uh, remember you can now listen to the live broadcast on the TuneIn app. Uh, look for us. Just go to WCEV or type in Radio Islam, and you will find us. Um, also, what should I remind you? Of? I'm going to remind you that if you want to give us a call, we're always happy to talk with you. Do so at three one two seven five zero one one seven eight. That is three one two. Seven five zero one one seven eight. Now, at the top of the show, uh, I told you that in this portion, we'd be talking with Aisha Virginia Gray Henry um, and about a really exciting uh, and intriguing subject. We're talking about children's books, um, but a very particular um, subject matter. We're talking about Al-Ghazali uh, for children, uh, particularly we're talking about the revival of religious sciences, which is one of the... Um, um, just one of the uh, ultimate and historic works of uh, scholarship. Uh, but let me tell you a bit about um, Sister Aisha Virginia Gray Henry. Uh, she is one of the 500 most influential Muslims in the world. She's the founder and director of the charitable foundation and publishing company, Fons Vita. Fons Vita is currently engaged in the monumental task of bringing out Al-Ghazali's monumental work, the revival of the religious sciences and readable English for parents and teachers, as well as adapting it to accommodate children's workbooks, school curricula, and an instructional DVD. Um, and I believe we have her on the line now. Assalamu alaikum. 
Well, alaikum salam, my friends. This is wonderful. Yes, yes. Uh, I appreciate the, the, the opportunity to, to talk with you. Uh, I know we had you scheduled before our wires crossed, but we have you here now. Doesn't make any difference. <laughs> I'm here in Kentucky, and it's right now snowing again on top of our daffodils, and the river froze. The river flooded everything about three weeks ago, so we're into water. Over wow. Here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, well, uh, well then I'm get... not going to complain about the uh, the 40-degree weather or whatever it is here. Is it 40 degrees? Yeah, we're 40 here, too, yeah. but it's snowing okay. even though it's 40. Yeah. Well, what can I say? I just Let me just greet the audience and say, when I was 22 years old, I lived in New York City, and I read Imam al-Ghazali's spiritual autobiography called A Munkath Min Dalal, I mean, Deliverance from Error, and I read his book. And he talked about when he was really famous, and he was like, you know, the combination of the head of Harvard and Oxford combined. Mm -hmm. And he discovered that as he was teaching in Baghdad in the late 1000s, he noticed he was proud. And, of course, we're not supposed to be proud. And he didn't know how to stop. And one day he said to himself, to his soul, you're on a crumbling bank, up, up and away, if not now, when? And... Then I read that when I was 22, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm on a crumbling bank. There's so many ways we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to talk about people. We're supposed to be all, always supposed to be so perfect in every way, crumbling bank. Mm. And I was really afraid. And then not long after that, my husband and I sailed on a boat to Morocco and drove all the way to Cairo to study at Azhar. And we had a little baby girl born in Libya. Libya still had a king. We named her Hajar. And we studied 10 years at Azhar, fiqh and tajweed and ahadith and all of this stuff. And we loved al-Ghazali because he gave a deeper meaning of everything we were learning. And then we moved to England and we opened something called the Islamic Tech Society and in Cambridge, the Jamia Nasusul Islami. Mm-hmm. And we were there 12 years, and we started publishing Al-Ghazali, Abdul Hakim Murad, Tim Winter. He did the first book on death and other ones. And we love Ghazali. Now I'm going to get to the heavy part of the story. <laughs> so I come back to Kentucky, where I'm from, in 1991 or two, so my mother and father can die in the house they built. And so I go into publishing again, and I open Fon Vitae. And by now, I've got grandchildren. And I'm watching grandchildren, and what are they all doing? They all have iPhones, they're all busy, they're all digital. And I'm thinking, how do you get them these deeper meetings of the faith so that the religion they're practicing is something that's their own, that they want to do? No one's policing them and saying, did you do your prayers? What is it that would make a child want to really make this his own and understand it and understand the meaning of it? And so, brother, what happened is, I, I, had, I was honest with myself. When I read any of these great books, Al-Ghazali, any of the other ones, and here I am, I'm an older person now. I mean, I always find when the book is open, I'm reading it, it's really high and really spiritual. I'm like clinging to the page with my fingernails, and, and I can't really quite get it all. And it's really out of my reach, and not just that. I can't bring it in to use it in my daily life. And then my brother Hamza Yusuf called, and he was very, very worried about his children, even in their Islamic school. And we came up with the plan 
to translate Ghazali's works, the 40 books that make up the Ihya Alumadin. And by the way, Hamza explains this great work as the Quran in a usable order. It's all Quran and Hadith with other passages of great, great Islamic beings. But it's basically the Quran in a usable order. Mm. And it's been considered by many great Muslims as second only to the Holy Quran. Well, anyway, so we decided to get the books of Ghazali translated into English that not just scholars could read, but normal people. And then I started sitting with the books, and the Book of Knowledge is the first one. And I sat for six years, and I brought that into a book for children. And you think it's for children? Like six, seven, eight, nine, thirteen, fourteen? No, it's for me and it's for adults. Because mm. it finally, by putting it into the words of children, I, it made it usable. Right. And so we did the Book of Knowledge, the Book of Belief, the Creed, the Akita. We finished the Book of Tahara, Purity. And we've done the book of prayer. It goes to press this week, and then we're on to Sakat. But each of these children's books, accompanied by the adult book, each of these books has its own workbook and its own curriculum as well, and DVDs. And we have a children's Ghazali website. Any of you can go to it. It's ghazalichildren.org. It's it's one word, ghazalichildren.org, I think. And that's millions of things to do, and kids... Come, uh, sending in videos. We have 126 pilot schools now. It's already gone into Urdu. It's being used in Pakistan. We signed a contract for the Arabic rights today. The Dutch one, the Norwegians. And honestly, just let me just say, mm-hmm. for me, this is the reason I was born to do this project. It's the greatest thing I can be part of, to be transmitter of this, because we all want our children to learn Quran and to learn Arabic and to learn Islam. But we also want them to have tarbiyah. We want them to have beautiful character. The blessed prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, you know, Islam is character. And so that character, that is what we must learn. But how do we learn it? How do we even stand? How do we practice? Well, Ghazali gives a step-by-step way to go from the very beginning of all the virtues, what is going on, what is really happening. And he says in book one, he says, all right, and you can say this to yourself or to your children, did you know there are two kinds of learning? And the child looks at you and say, yeah, yeah, practical learning every day, wash your face, to it, to it, for special learning. Well, what's that? Oh, that's how to polish your heart. What? Oh, you didn't know you had two hearts? one that's physical and pumps blood, but then there's the real heart, the spiritual heart. I mean, when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to a body or molecules or skin or hands. I'm talking to you. And then the child says, why would you have to polish the heart? Well, it gets dust on it. If you're not nice to somebody, if you don't share, if you don't help mom, if you're mean to anybody, well, why would you have to polish that off? Oh, didn't you know there are two worlds? This world, which is pretty quick, and then the next world, which is forever and beautiful. And so, my brother, what I'm telling you is, my grandchildren, little ones, four and six, and then the bigger ones, they all understand this. They have no problem. If anything goes wrong, I just simply say, oh, getting a little dirt on your heart. Everyone (laughs) knows about it. They draw it. We talk about it. We practice 
the virtues by practicing the vices. Let's say children don't like to share. Mm-hmm. Well, who does? So you say, let's play, let's play not sharing. And then Bilal will say, you can't play with my toy, Medina. And Medina will say, you can't have one of my cookies. And then after they do that and they notice, that doesn't feel very nice. Then they say, well, Bilal, would you like one of my cookies? And Medina, yes, 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 please play with my toy. And they notice, they can feel by experiencing sharing. They experience the beauty of it. So what we're trying to do with the children's books is give them stories in a story form, all the whole wonderful package of Ghazali. And in the workbook, they get to see what they do know. And in the curriculum, they get to play games and practice it all so that it starts to become second nature. And of course, we as parents and teachers must do the same because we have to be examples for them. You know what? That's the project. Sister Aisha, there was, and I, I think that is uh, that's tremendous. Uh, there's one one of the uh, there was an article I was I was looking at. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you were interviewed. Um, it was posted on AkilaStyle.com, uh, mm-hmm. and I believe the the author was uh, Tazan Abdullah. And he I'd had, love to see it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but Send it to me, please. I, I, yeah. I certainly will. But Thank the following know. quote was attributed to you. It says, um, you can't teach children the truth. They will recognize truth. We just have to yeah. polish their hearts. That's right. And I thought that that was just really uh, poignant. And uh, just in keeping with, you know, as you described, mm-hmm. that this is not a book for children or a series for it's children. It's for me. It was for me all along. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. And and so I'm, I'm asking also, um, thus far, what have been some of the responses that you've gotten because – uh, adults, a lot of times, you know, as parents, some of our favorite books are children's books. <laughs> oh, good! I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so, I mean, love these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, my children. I wish that these were uh, around when my children were, were, were little, but it, it doesn't really matter because they're still going to well, be. Well, now able to... they're just big children, and they need them even more than they needed them before. Absolutely, you know, so. <laughs> absolutely. So, what if, what is what are some of the responses that you have gotten uh, uh, thus far? Well, just on that thing of recognizing the truth, yes. getting it to them as early as possible, mm-hmm. because the fitra is still quite alive. Sure. When I was doing the Book of Knowledge, my granddaughter, Layla, was only five or six. She's now 13. And I told her that thing about the two worlds, and she's listening, and the whole time she's coloring. I always let them draw everything they're listening to, mm-hmm. because they remember it if they've drawn it. And so... She went into the living room, and her father, Mustafa, was playing an instrument, and he was playing Mozart or Bach or something. And she said, what's that? He said, oh, I'm playing Mozart. And she said, well, who is that? He said, oh, he died about 250 years ago. She put her fists on her hips, and she said firmly, he's not dead. He's in the next world. Now, you see, she recognized it as true. And do you know how kids in the modern world, with all the modern people who don't believe in anything that's not utterly scientific, Mm -hmm. most of them don't believe there is anything after death. But if you tell a child these stories, these truths, when they're little, it's permanent. You know, they recognize it. They totally. And, you know, the other day, a mother called and she said, you know, the chapter you wrote on back. Um, backbiting. And this, um, it was a very poignant thing for me. I rewrote the chapter. There are 10 things that Ghazali tells us that we can never do. 
and one of them is backbiting. Mm-hmm. And you know what the Quran says about it. Right. It's like eating your brother's flesh alive, dead, his, his dead flesh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the worst images in the Quran, actually, besides hell. And I was writing this chapter, and I thought, gosh, should I put that in? It's pretty awful. And I thought, well, kids kind of like awful stuff. And then <laughs> that afternoon, I went out. And I, I was having lunch, dinner with a bunch of lady friends, and they were talking about someone's father, who's really horrible, in fact. And I told a horrible story, having just written that chapter. And in the car going home, I felt kind of uncomfortable, queasy. And when I ran in the house, I threw up, because I had, in fact, eaten the dead flesh. That meta- That's not a metaphor in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that's what we're doing. And this is one of the things I'd like to say to every Muslim out there listening to this. We've got to quit. Everyone is always saying, he's going to hell, she's a kafir, you know, they're no good, that religion. We should just stop talking and be present. You know how Mm. much time the world spends just talking badly about each other, and we're not allowed to do it. And so this mother called last week, and she said, I was talking to a bunch of ladies at a tea party, And my seven-year-old daughter, who had read the Book of Knowledge, came over and whispered in my ear, aren't you backbiting? (laughs) And the mother called and told me this. So I said, may I speak to the little girl? So I spoke (laughs) to her, and she said, you know, I have to tell you, Auntie, until I read the Book of Knowledge of Ghazali, I didn't even know backbiting existed. Wow. Now look at that. I mean, the things that have happened with people's lives and their children— what mothers are writing in, it, it's like so touching you can't even believe it, you know? Mm-hmm. And we do it in prisons, too. I have a prison outreach program. Prisoners actually order the books for their prison families and their children at home. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, and by the way, if there are any people out there who have little home schools and don't have any money to buy these books, these big, beautiful color books, if you have a home school, we can email you the PDFs and you can just print them out or print out the pages, the workbook pages, so that even without money, we're happy to have schools join us, you know? That's wonderful. Now, where where would they, uh, how would they contact you? Oh, well, gosh, they could go, well, the, ch- the children's website, ghazalichildren.org, has everything, but they could also just be in touch with my private email, mm-hmm. which is G-R-A-Y-H, that's for Gray Henry, G-R-A-Y-H, 101 at aol.com or they can go to the Fons Vitae website f-o-n-s-v-i-t-a-e dot com fonsvitae.com and that's our whole publishing company and they can click on the Ghazali stuff and be in touch that way so all of those ways you okay. know oh. because we, we just we're dying to be one big family and to think imagine the Dutch we have the Norwegians and the Swedes are putting it into their languages in the Dutch. I mean, did you even know there were Dutch Muslims? And uh, next year in September, South Africa is doing a Ghazali festival. We're going to go around to all the cities. We've got to get our kids free. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is good character. And what is good character? We say, didn't Aisha, the, the, the prophet's blessed wife, didn't she say... And he was a walking Quran. Yes. And what are his qualities of the walking Quran? And this is what we're doing. This is 
pure, pure imitation of the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Pure, pure, pure. And with all the Quranic passages and all the Hadith, but it's put so it builds up one thing, like I said, what is learning? What are the two What are the two worlds? And it builds up solidly, and you just follow along, and it takes you along. You know, even in the Book of Knowledge, the children already learn about the three selves, the lower, the blaming, and the mutmainna. It's easy for them. Sure. It, it's like, this is like come... Ghazali has come to us just at a time when we all needed him most. When we, the only place to go anymore is in. There's no place to go out anymore. Look at the out. You know, look at the world. You know, mm. look at the wars. Look at how, look at governments. But we can go in and we can polish our hearts and we can be, we can shine and we can do an imitation of the Blessed Prophet to the degree we can. Don't you think so? Absolutely. And I have yeah. to say that I'm I'm extremely uh, I was I was just really intrigued uh, listening to you talk about uh, the 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 prison uh, component mm-hmm. uh, because that's a space where we we term it to be um, uh, we term it to be uh, I can't think of the word now but it's not what is it rehabilitation or or reformation yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah but it's it's generally uh, people storage. And if we're going to really rehabilitate people, it has to begin uh, with character. So I think that that's a, I just, I think that's really a great step. We're just handing people a way to do it. We all want to do it. Right. But this gives a systematic way to do it to yourself. And the prisons, we have funds, by the way. Mm -hmm. If you know prisons or prisoners that need libraries, we give them, you know, completely. We have one of our trustees has given us, because we're a charity, we're an academic charity. By the way, we have no overhead. We work out of my father's basement and garage, and my office is in the kitchen. And we've done hundreds of books like this. Why spend for an office? But anyway, I've been, I've spoken to prisons, in prisons, in the Faraday Prison in New Jersey, and we have, we're very happy to help prisoners. One prisoner years ago that we helped, he's out now, Mm -hmm. and he now we, he's still ordering all of our books, and he's with a wonderful group from Senegal there in uh, South Carolina in Monk's Corner. And he constantly orders. We send the books and the children's books as gifts to all the people he wants, and we're still working with him, you know? Wow. And then there's the the, uh, the Taiba Project, you know, in California. That's another fantastic one. Mm-hmm. But if anyone out there has prison needs, just be in touch with us right away. Now I know that you've you've said that you feel like this is your uh, this is why you were put here. Um, yeah, it was. And 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 I've just got to say that from the moment uh, I met you, I was I was blessed to meet you in uh, in DC. Uh, yeah, was a couple months ago, and I just felt just an just an extreme uh, energy uh, and 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 focus and what. What 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 is it that that gives you that uh, for this for this project? You know what? I, I'm nearly crying to tell you this. This this isn't our project. You know, n- none of it is. We all know mm-hmm. everything is a law just going through us. Right. But you know, many books I've published over the years and projects, I felt as though they were my projects, right? Mm-hmm. But this isn't. This is just going through. 
you know, that's the energy you're picking up on. Mm. It's just, it was its time to come, you know. And it's like, it's got its own life. You know, I worked for a year writing a grant, and I got a grant, which is nearly over, but that got all these books published in color, you know. And then we'll just keep going. We had a launch good that uh, Hamsa Zaytuna helped with, and that got some, and then people all over the world give. It's it's a family project. And we have people working on this from all over the place. I have an Egyptian girl, Farida, who does the cartoons for the workbooks. She does comic strips. Mm. We have an artist from Slovakia sending in pictures for the Kitab of Salat. I mean, we have people from every country in the world. Just, can we help you? Of course. So we everybody's taking part. We have people working on the curriculum. So it's welcome. It's a family project for all of us to work together. Mm, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Why don't uh, you come down to Louisville and see the whole thing? I have every intention uh, of doing so. Where I, are you? I don't even know where you are that I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in Chicago. Oh, that's nothing. Five hours. You could leave after breakfast and be here for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Yeah, this if if I if I would not have had to uh, come back uh, and do the show when I left Memphis um, yeah. a week or so ago, then I would have I would have made my way on over to Louisville. Well, why don't you and your listeners help us by getting these materials to the people who need them? You know, just you know, because we we need to be together on this one. Absolutely. It, it, just just let, anyway that we can help everyone and everyone can we can work together on this you know some islamic schools say well we'll try to work in one of these books in the third grade i don't think they get it Mm -hmm. this is actually the first thing you have to do is get yourself together and it's not all that hard you know (laughs) it's not like it's more important to study history you'll do all that that's fine but how do i use history every moment when i'm meeting my brother and sister you know, right. you've got it's being educated, but what we need to be is the true education. Education comes from the Latin word educari, which right. means to draw out that what is there. It's not piling in facts; mm-hmm. it's drawing out the fitra, who we really are. Right. You know, this is what we're talking about. Ghazali speaks of the true self and the false self. Well, what's the true self? Pure, pure. Perfect, present, gentle. You know the book of prayer we're working on right now? This is so overwhelming because the imam says that if you just pray making gestures and using your lips, right? Mm-hmm. No, each each moment has an attitude. Each, each position of the prayer, the standing, the bowing, each line of the fatiha, there needs to be a, a you need to be in a state of reverence right. and awe. And also even shame for for being low, but also all of these wonderful states that are in our being. We have to have these during prayer. And of course, then during prayer, we need them for our whole life. We need them for how we are with everybody, you know? And in the book of Purification... I I tell a story in the beginning before we get into how Ghazali does it. All right, here's... See, we have an old man called Haj Abdullah who's in this forgotten garden in the village, and the children go after school and talk to him. And they tell him, we don't really know why our parents are upset if we're late for prayer. We don't really know why this, and we just can't ask them. 
you know, they're upset with us all the time. The man says, look, you come in the garden in the afternoon after school, and I'll teach you what Imam al-Ghazali says. Mm -hmm. Well, when he gets to the Book of Purity, he does this. Here's the story. All right. Before he tells Ghazali, he says, once upon a time, there was a scholar in a village, and he went, and he was in his house, and one day an old man with a stick came to the door and said, Oh, scholar, what is wudu? I want to know. Teach me wudu. And the scholar said, Old man, you've been in this village your whole life. How could you not know how to make wudu? Get out. And then he finally said, Look, you're so desperate. Come here. I'm going to show you. So the scholar performed wudu and then said, Now you do it. And the old man got it all wrong. The scholar standing saying, Out, out, get out. Old man left, and then the scholar turned to his assistant and said, you know, this is pretty strange, an old man in a Muslim town, not knowing how to do wudu, better, better go and see who he is. And the assistant comes back and said, oh, scholar, sorry to tell you this, but the scholar, but that old man is the holy man of the village, the village saint. So the scholar goes, and he kneels before the old man with the stick and says, what is wudu? And the scholars and the old man says, the sheikh says, when you're wipe washing your hands, as you're doing it, you're not just rinsing your hands. You're saying, Ya Allah, forgive me for what I have done. Let what I do in the future please you. Rinsing the mouth. May what I had said, what I've said that has displeased you. No, forgive me. Let what I say from now on please you. Washing the feet. My feet now carry me in places that will please you, so that even going through wudu five times a day or however many times, you were actually polishing your heart because you were looking at yourself, feeling tauba, trying to turn, so that even wudu, just like prayer, is much more than we thought it was. You see? Mm-hmm. Mm. And think how much fun, more fun it is to do wudu like that than just to sort of rush through it, not even thinking, oh, just like that. Well, that, that goes back to the idea of, uh, of not doing uh, but being. Um, so, there you go. Yeah, I, I think that is, a, that is a wonderful, wonderful take on things. And we want to make sure, we want to go ahead and we'll share that information uh, with the Radio Sound family because the this episode will be posted up on our website, on our Facebook page. So any links that you have, uh, if mm-hmm. I don't have them already, if you would email them to me, I will go ahead and make sure that those are... Yeah, if are... you want to put the, the click to the children's website, and you could, they can click from that to the parents' resources, and then they can see who's on the scholarly board. Yeah. Kat Stevens, Ingrid Matson, everybody you can imagine is on that board. Mm-hmm. You know, Mustafa Abu Sway, the great Ghazali scholar from Al-Quds, it's got a huge scholarly board. Right. And they can go to the parents section. They can look at the books. Everything's on ebooks too, if they live too far away. I mean, everything. So right. I'm happy you can put all the different addresses and links. If you email me, I will email them all back, and you can put put them on this post. I certainly, I certainly will. Uh, inshallah, it's my intention to do so. But come to Louisville for lunch. Uh, uh, we're we're going to make that happen. Um, I know you are. I can yeah. tell. <laughs> <laughs> and you get your free set of Ghazali books. <laughs> Not your kids. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and it is Dr. Aisha Virginia Gray Henry. No, no, no. I haven't finished. I have a master's in curriculum development in education, and I started a doctorate in England. And I'm, I've done all the research. But you know what? Mm-hmm. The choice of writing the, the thesis 
yeah. are doing this. Is that a choice? There's no choice. <laughs> I, I hear you. There's I no you. question. You know? well, alhamdulillah. Well, we certainly appreciate the Radio Islam family. Appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to us about this great work that you're doing, and uh, may Allah continue to bless you uh, with this, with that you and all those who are involved with it. Um, and bless what you're doing, and bless Sound Vision, and I just look at what you're doing, and I'm just thinking, how can I get out there and help them? How can I contribute what I'm doing? to everyone they're in touch with. Just let me let me help you. Let's just arm and arm on this one. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not just talking, so uh, I am. I know, I know, I know. I can tell. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, look, our, our. Um, now I bet. Inshallah. <laughs> so our, our, our has, uh, has escaped us. Um, want to thank you again for coming on uh, Radio Islam. Our guest tonight uh, for our second half has been uh, the, uh, the the astounding sister Aisha Virginia, Virginia oh, Gray Henry. <laughs> and we want to uh, remind you that uh, this this episode will, will be available wherever you get your podcast, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or whatever it is. Uh, just look for us at Radio Islam USA. We want to thank our engineers over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much. Thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer for the evening, Tariq Alamine. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you the Views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision Inc. Although everything that was said was good, but we still got to say that. So uh, at this point, uh, family, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.